Welcome to the Restore Body Balance podcast, where we take an integrative approach by combining psychology, biology, and neurology to enact life changes that stick. I'm Colleen Burns, licensed psychotherapist and founder of Restore Body Balance. And I'm Nico Yutanis, co-producer of this podcast. Today's episode is on sunscreen. Although we might not initially think of sunscreen as an integrative health product, it truly is. I'm sure many of us shop for sunscreen in the past month or so. There are so many products out there that it can get confusing on which sunscreen is the best one and which ones aren't so great for us. I know I normally opt for the natural sunscreens and I have some horror stories that I will share with you guys later in this episode. So to start off, Colleen, where did you focus your sunscreen research? Well, in doing so, I looked at four main sources, Nico. Number one being skincancer.org, also the FDA's guideline and recommendations, and you introduced me to Dr. Dre, who films a day in the life of a dermatologist and a fellow YouTuber. Then lastly was my mentor in integrative medicine, Dr. Andrew Weil. All great resources. Hopefully by the end of this episode, all of you listening will be able to tell how to distinguish between sunscreen ingredients and be the judge of what you are putting on your skin. Well, Nico, I don't think we need to educate ourselves or listeners on whether or not to use sunblock. I think it's abundantly clear that we do need to for skin cancer prevention and the effects of the sun on our bodies from aging to actual damage. So let's start with why sunblock works and the importance of what we see as the SPF on the labels. According to the FDA, this is a website that's www.fda.gov slash drugs, understanding over-the-counter medicines and sunscreen. And here I quote, as an FDA regulated product, sunscreens must pass certain tests before they are sold but how you use this product and other protective measures you take may be a difference in how well you are able to protect yourself and your family from sunburn, skin cancer, and early aging, and other risks of overexposure to the sun. The site also offers some key sun safety tips. For example, limit your time in the sun, especially between the peak hours of 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. These are typically the time when the sun's rays are most intense. And another tip is my pitfall, Nico, which is to wear clothing to cover your skin in the sun. I tend to run hot. So as you know, some clothing actually has sun protection built in, such as long sleeve shirts, pants, and sunglasses, along with brimmed hats that have SPF. Another tip that speaks to our topic today is also to use a broad spectrum in your sunscreen with an SPF of values of 15 or higher. And of course, don't forget to reapply sunscreen every few hours and of course more often if you're sweating it out in the water. And then lastly, a piece of advice from this website is sometimes that I forget to do is After you have been in the water, you really just need to reapply, which is a two-minute protection, but seems like a chore at the time. There's also a little quiz on the website, and I was wondering maybe if you and I want to go through it. It's www.accessdata.fda.gov. 
and we can maybe take a couple of the questions just for fun. Sure. So, Nico, mm-hmm. how often should you reapply sunscreen when you're outside? A, at least every hour. B, at least every two hours. C, at least every four hours. D, you don't need to reapply. And E, only reapply after sweating or swimming. Okay, I'm going to guess B because I remember in sunscreen commercials, the ads would always end with water and sweat resistant for up to 80 minutes. And I just always remembered that they specified 80 minutes and I thought that was kind of funny. (laughs) That's right. Well, Nico, ding, 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 you are correct. The answer is B, at least every two hours. Another question from the the website is, A recent FDA study showed that some sunscreen ingredients are absorbed into the body. This means A, I should continue to use sunscreen as directed. Evidence of absorption doesn't mean these ingredients aren't safe. It just means more data is needed. B, I should stop using sunscreen. C, I should make my own sunscreen. And D, I should only use sunscreen conservatively, for example, only in limited amounts on sunny days. I'm going to guess A. I think that that would definitely be the FDA's stance on sunscreen, and the other three sound detrimental. Correct. And again, I quote from the website, the correct answer is that you need to use sunscreen as directed. Also, other methods to protect yourself, like wearing sunglasses, like we said, limiting the time you spend in the sun, especially during those times when the UV rays are the strongest, wear your protective hat and sunglasses, and then again, the sunscreen that is both broad spectrum and SPF of 15 or above. Let's move on to number three. Which of these statements is true regarding sun safety for infants? A, adults are at greater risk than infants of sunscreen side effects such as a rash. B, infants can be exposed to the sun for a limited amount of time without increased risk. C, sunscreens are not recommended for infants under six months of age. And D, protective clothing does not have much effect and the sunscreen is much better than UV protection method. Hmm, this one's tough. I think I'll go with D. I've seen baby sunscreens before, so I would think that it wouldn't be C, and I don't think it's A or B. I think babies would be more prone to rashes, and I would guess an infant's skin would be more susceptible to risk. Okay, so that's incorrect. The correct answer is actually C. Sunscreens are not recommended for infants under six months, but maybe that's to our listeners who have children. The FDA recommends that infants be out of the sun during the hours of 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. and to use protective clothing for them if they have to be in the sun. Also, to dress infants in lightweight, long pants, long sleeve shirts, and brimmed hats that shade the neck to prevent sunburn. Also, infants are at greater risk than adults of sunscreen side effects, such as a rash. And the best protection for infants is to keep them out of the sun entirely. And of course, one would want to ask their doctor before applying any sunscreen to children under the age of six months. Okay, maybe we give one last question here. The FDA recommends that you do not use sunscreen products that have passed their expiration date. If there is no expiration date indicated, what should you do? A, not use it. B, 
report it to the FDA, C, assume it is stable to use if it was purchased within the last three years and has been stored in a cool, dry place, or D, assume it is stable to use indefinitely. Hmm, I think I'll go with C. Okay, ding, ding, ding. The answer is C, correct. Assume it is stable to use if it was purchased within the last three years and has been stored in a cool, dry place. Again, according to this website, the FDA regulations state, quote, all sunscreens and other non-prescription drugs have an expiration date unless stability testings conducted by the manufacturer has shown that the product will remain stable for at least three years. That means a sunscreen product that does not have an expiration date should be considered expired three years after purchase. And to make sure your sunscreen is providing the sun protection promised in its labeling, the FDA recommends that you do not use sunscreen products that have passed their expiration date, if there is one. If there is no expiration date, only use the sunscreen that was purchased within the last three years. And of course, discard expired sunscreens because there is no assurance that they remain safe and fully effective. End quote. Oh, Nico, guess what? I think there was one more question. I liked this one. So let me give you one more if you don't mind. Okay. Great. So true or false, all sunscreens protect against sunburn, but only those that are SPF 15 or above are broad spectrum and also have been able to reduce the risk of skin cancer in early skin aging. I'm going to guess true. Okay, last one. Ding, ding. You got it. All sunscreens protect against the sun's rays that cause sunburn, but only those that are SPF 15 and above and also broad spectrum have been shown to reduce the risk of skin cancer and early aging caused by the sun. And of course, when used as directed with other sun protection measures, end quote. There are so many different sunscreen types and forms available. Did the FDA mention anything on that? I know I see sunscreen sticks that look like deodorant, but I was skeptical on how effective they were. Well, according to the FDA, there are many types of sunscreen. They can come in forms such as lotions, creams, sticks, gels, oils, butters, paste, and sprays. So again, to quote, the FDA website, the directions for using sunscreen products can vary according to their forms. For example, spray sunscreens should never be applied directly to your face. This is just one of the reasons why you should always read the label before using a sunscreen product. And this is also an important note because we will hear different opinions on the use of a spray sunscreen in a little while. Also, it's important that the FDA knows that they have not authorized the marketing of non-prescription sunscreen products in the form of wipes, towelettes, powders, body washes or shampoos. And this was alarming because I was using a powdered sunscreen for years. I even gifted it to friends. In fact, one who had a small bit of skin cancer removed from her face 
And I thought that this was such a great idea. She could have it in her purse or keep it in her car. And you literally just dust it over your face like a makeup brush. And I thought, well, at least she'll really use it this time. So this was a big shocker for me. That is a shock. And another type of sunscreen that I've never had work, even though it wasn't mentioned on the ones to avoid, is spray sunscreen. I tend to just focus on creams and lotions. Yeah, the sprays are not only bad for you in terms of inhalation, but I suppose also for the environment. But again, we'll get to that shortly. So let's look at the term that's front and center on virtually all sunscreen products, SPF. Yes, SPF is sun protection factor. And sunscreens, of course, as you know, Nico, are made in a wide range of SPFs. And this is actually interesting that we're doing the podcast today because we used some sunscreen over the weekend when we went to Rockport, Massachusetts, and I was using 100 because I thought, well, that's going to give me all the protection I need. But we're soon going to find out about that. So the SPF value indicates the level of sunburn protection provided by the sunscreen product. So again, I'm going to quote something from the FDA site that I mentioned earlier. Quote, all sunscreens are tested to measure the amount of UV radiation exposure it takes to cause sunburn when using a sunscreen compared to how much UV exposure it takes to cause a sunburn when not using the sunscreen. The product is then labeled for the appropriate SPF value. So higher SPF values, up to 50, provide greater sunburn protection because SPF values are determined from the test that measures protection against sunburn caused by the UVB radiation. So the SPF values only indicate a sunscreen's UVB protection. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the other interesting fact that I took away from the website is that in June 2011, sunscreens that pass broad spectrum tests can actually demonstrate that they also provide UVA protection. Therefore, under the label requirement for sunscreens labeled, quote, broad spectrum SPF value, unquote, they will indicate protection for both UVA and UVB radiation. So what's the difference between UVA and UVB? I know there is a difference, but I can't remember what it is. That's a great question, Nico. A good way to remember is that A is for aging and B is for burning. UVA penetrates deep into the skin and causes long-term damage, such as aging and wrinkles. UVB causes the dreaded sunburns that we hopefully don't know too well by now. And that's a source from bananaboat.com. Very interesting. So again, that's why it's important to look for broad spectrum sunscreens. What else should we be looking for, Colleen? Well, to get the most protection out of sunscreen, you need to choose one with at least an SPF of 15. And if your skin is fair, you might want a higher SPF of 30 to 50. Again, there's no way for me to say scientific data without using a quote. So there is another popular misconception that SPF relates to the time of solar exposure. 
So, quote, for example, many people believe that if they normally get sunburned within one hour, then an SPF 15 sunscreen allows them to stay in the sun for 15 hours. So, i.e., 15 times longer without getting a sunburn. But this is not true because SPF is not directly related to the time of solar exposure, but to the amount of solar exposure. That's such an important misconception about the meaning of SPF. And you mentioned UV index. One resource is to scroll down to the bottom of your weather app and it will give you the UV index or you can ask Siri or other virtual assistants. What a great idea, Nico. I never knew about that. It's a wonderful world of convenience that we live in. And according to the FDA, let's look at some of the ingredients. So, quote, every drug has active ingredients and inactive ingredients. In some cases of sunscreen, active ingredients are the ones that are protecting your skin from the sun's harmful UV rays. Inactive ingredients are all the other ingredients that are not active ingredients, such as water or oil, that may be used in actually formulating the sunscreen. There is a list on the website that we mentioned from the FDA that they state as acceptable active ingredients and in products that were labeled as sunscreen. You can go to the website listeners, but I'll just mention a few. Avobenzone, homosalate, octanoxate, octisalate, oxybenzone, and of course, titanium dioxide and zinc oxide. And don't quote me on the pronunciation. <laughs> Another important note is that the protective action of the sunscreen products actually takes place on the surface of the skin. So now we need to be looking at evidence that at least some of these sunscreen ingredients may be absorbed through the skin and in fact, the entire body. This is where the FDA needs to continue to perform studies to determine whether or not and to what extent the use of sunscreen products when, quote, use as directed, may be the result of, as they say, quote, may result in unintended chronic systemic exposure to sunscreen's active ingredients, end quote. So now that we know a little more about these skincare active ingredients, we should also be aware of how sunscreen works. One of my favorite resources for anything science and skincare related is Dr. Dre's YouTube channel. It was interesting to see how she explains chemical versus physical sunscreens and echoed how some chemical sunscreens can actually get into the bloodstream. But she also clarifies that scientifically, that doesn't necessarily mean that it is bad for you. But my personal preference is to avoid chemical sunscreens as much as possible. Yes, Nico, you introduced me to Dr. Dre and her YouTube channel, and it was a lot of fun getting to know her personal daily rituals and as a dermatologist, what products she recommends, especially focusing on the difference between, I never knew the difference between chemical versus physical sunscreens, the percentage of zinc and wearing sunscreen indoors and even more. Dr. Dre's video includes information on how chemical sunscreen works, 
chemical sunscreens actually form a filter over your skin and screen out the sun, which is why she recommends applying a little in advance before stepping outside, because it takes time to form almost like a veil, so to speak. And physical sunscreens, on the other hand, actually block the sun. And on her YouTube channel, she has a link in her bio to what her favorite physical and chemical sunscreens are, as well as moisturizers with SPFs and tinted moisturizers with SPFs. That's great to keep in mind and definitely refer to her channel for those products. But off the top of your head, do you remember if she had any particular product recommendations? Yes, Dr. Dre's favorite is, um, I want to say you pronounce it CeraVe face lotion, uh, SPF 50. So that's C-E-R-A, capital V-E. And then also Elta MD UV sport sunscreen. That's non-greasy mineral-based zinc oxide formula. And it's also water resistant. She also recommended Neutrogena Clear Face Sunscreen SPF 55, which is designed for people who tend to break out, and it's also fragrance-free and oil-free. Dr. Dre also likes Aveeno Baby and Neutrogena Sheer Zinc Dry Touch Broad Spectrum SPF 50, which is, again, a mineral-based hypoallergenic, water-resistant, and approved for people that have eczema. Dr. Dre reminds us that we also can't forget sunscreen on our lips. Her pick is Vanny Cream SPF 30, free of fragrances, flavoring, lanolin, and parabens. Also formaldehyde-free and free of preservatives. <laughs> Get this, Nico, it's also gluten-free. <laughs> <laughs> But it provides protection from UVA and UVB rays. And of course, it's waterproof as well. Those all sound like great products. What about you, Colleen? Do you have any specific sunscreens that you recommend? Another important thing to consider is not only what's in a sunscreen, but how they apply. No one likes to have what they call white cast, especially with physical sunscreens. I remember one time I got this all natural cucumber sunscreen that I put on on the way to the beach one day and it would not come off of my face. I put it on in the car and my entire family was roasting me for it. I jumped in the ocean when I got to the beach, scrubbing my face in the water, looking like an idiot and it still wouldn't come off. Oh no. I've had that happen before or you only get partial pieces of it off and then when you know the next day you wake up you have like you know circles and spots and squares <laughs> where it stayed on and where it came off that's hysterical nico but i'm sorry that that happened well uh let's see recently i ordered a product called super goop it's what they call unseen sunscreen it has an spf of 40 and it's a broad spectrum sunscreen water and it's also sweat resistant which unfortunately you know like i said i tend to run a little hot it contains clean chemicals it's oil free and reef safe i tried it last saturday when i went to the lobster pool restaurant in rockport it's a gel-like substance and it truly does go on very smoothly and clear so no white cast for me nico <laughs> i'm also a huge fan of the neutrogena and all of my doctor friends like that cerave so i know for me when my children were little i went with avino everything and that's been a trusted source for me for years. What about you, Nico? 
Yeah, I do. It took many trials and tribulations. I mean, as I've mentioned, I've had many white cast sunscreens, but I found a few natural or decent sunscreens that actually work. And I've always had sensitive skin, kind of prone to breakouts growing up, and even the slightest new addition to my skin could cause irritation. So I found that the two sunscreens that work well and don't bother my skin at all are Elta MD and Alba Botanica. Elta MD is the supreme sunscreen, and in some cases, it actually cleared my skin as well because it has niacinamide and other calming ingredients in it, but it's very expensive. So I also use the Active Sport Alba Botanica Mineral Sunscreen. It's SPF 30. It leaves a slight white cast at first, but it's sweat and water resistant, vegan, cruelty free, reef safe, and it's only $6 a bottle, so it really can't be beat. Are there any other tips that you learned from Dr. Dre? Yes, Dr. Dre mentioned on her Q&A episode of Sunscreen that one thing that we can't forget about is putting sunscreen on the tips of our ears and also putting sunscreen on our neck. Not only do we risk sunburns, but also skin cancers as well in these places. So you also, believe it or not, wanna put sunscreen around your eyes. But as I defer to Dr. Dre, she is the expert. So I would have our listeners go to her channel because she explains exactly how to apply sunscreen around these sensitive areas. Lastly, another interesting fact that I learned from her episode is that if you're sitting near a window, you should also be wearing sunscreen. You never really even think of that, but I remember even in the car during the winter, I could feel a slight burn after a long period of time. I know, right? Those rays come straight on through. There was an interesting National Geographic study done on truck drivers and skin cancers because they tend to always have their arm up on that side of the car and, of course, sitting on one side of the car for prolonged periods of time. They noticed a a pretty significant increase in skin cancers. I will also put my integrative spin on this. So, as Dr. Dre suggests, applying sunscreen every two hours, as well as the FDA, you also have an opportunity to get up, take a break, and maybe do some deep breathing and mindfulness when you're applying your sunscreen. Not to mention these days that we're all maybe working from home, and if you're sitting near a window, you might want to take a break from work to just stand. Those of our listeners with Apple Watches will get alerts to stand and move and breathe for that matter. Again, tapping into why we combine psychology, biology, and neurology. It's that Pavlovian paired stimulus response, Nico, that we often refer to. So take a break, stand, breathe, and apply sunscreen. And if you can take a minute to appreciate your surroundings and maybe a little pause to appreciate the moment, that's really about being present and learning to stay. And as you've mentioned before, you can even use olfactory or smell to get into the relaxation response. If the scent of coconut brings you back to your favorite vacation spot in Hawaii, you can use that as a meditative tool. Now that we have our personal favorites and integrative health techniques, let's go to the next resource. Who is next, Colleen? Well, now on to my mentor, the true pioneer in integrative medicine. Drum roll, please, Nico. (laughs) Dr. Andrew Weil. 
He too has a Q&A on his website regarding sunscreen. And this is where I learned about the Environmental Working Group, or we will refer to as the EWG going forward. He gave some excellent recommendations also on the idea of making your own sunscreen. So I will once again quote directly from him. I am aware of the online enthusiasm for mixing up your own sunscreen, but I wouldn't advise doing it. From what I've read, home recipes generally include oil, often coconut or jojoba, zinc oxide, which is the opaque white stuff that lifeguards spread on their noses, and beeswax for thickening. So you can heat the oil on the beeswax in a double boiler and then stir in the zinc oxide. But he also says, quote, there is no reliable way to know what sun protection factor or the SPF we mentioned from these home broods will provide or if they provide any at all. I've seen claims that recipes using carrot seed or red raspberry seed oil has an SPF of up to 50. A search of the medical literature, however, turned up and there are no studies to support those claims." End quote. Dr. Weil also advocates for his followers to check out the Environmental Working Group website, or like we said, the EWG. They are a Washington, D.C.-based nonprofit organization that advocates for health protective policies, and they publish an annual guide that is an excellent source of information, especially regarding the chemical compounds that the sunscreens have and, of course, which ones to avoid. Dr. Weil also stated that there were, quote, problematic ingredients, including oxybenzone, which acts like estrogen in the body, octinoxate, also a hormone-like activity, homosalate, which disrupts the hormones, estrogen, androgen, and progesterone, and octisalate and octocrylene, which are shown in laboratory studies to penetrate the skin, end quote. Dr. Weil echoes Dr. Dre here, along with the FDA, because he suggests that when choosing a sunscreen, you're, quote, better off opting for mineral-based products that are made with zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. You don't need to penetrate the skin. And avoid spray sunscreens, because he states the FDA has asked the manufacturer for more data to confirm these products are actually safe and effective. So he gives his full endorsement to check out the EWG sunscreen guide. I use the EWG app religiously. You can find scientific research on every ingredient in so many products. It's not just cosmetics, it's food also. They also show the level of scientific research on the ingredient list and what the concerns are, including environmental, reproductive, cancer, and allergens. There was one point in my late teens where I would avoid anything that EWG didn't give a good rating to. You should have heard those conversations between my mom and I at the grocery store. She couldn't stand it, but I still do use it pretty much when I can. <laughs> you gotta love those teen years, but you're right. You know, once I read this on Dr. Weil's website, I immediately went to the EWG and boy, did I find a plethora of information. So again, our listeners can go to www.ewg.org sunscreen. 
There is a section called Sunscreen 101, and you can also find the best beach and sports sunscreens, the best scoring kids sunscreens, the best moisturizers with sunscreen, and sunscreen ingredients, also the latest sunscreen research with articles on SPF, not to mention our biggest concern beyond protection, but these chemicals that we're talking about that were also in the products that Dr. Weil and Dr. Dre mentioned. I'm gonna give one last quote from their website from the EWG. Here I go, quote, in the 1970s, pioneering research by Margaret Kripke, I don't know if that's how you say her name, by the way, K-R-I-P-K-E, and her colleagues showed that UV radiation can do systemic harm to the immune system. Subsequent studies and other research found that the immune protection of sunscreens was not correlated to their SPF or sun protection factor or protection from UVB rays, but to the UVA protection, end quote. So again, if we go back to the environmental working group, the last 10 years, the FDA has made multiple proposals to strengthen UVA protection in sunscreen products. Unfortunately, none of them have been made law. Then I discovered that in 2019 on their website, the FDA again proposed changes to require UVA protection and they were then postponed. So for now, these products remain in stores and online, despite scientific evidence that most of these common ingredients are in fact absorbed into the blood at levels that can cause us harm. To quote one more time from their website, from the EWG, quote, the fact that there is a lack of adequate safety testing and that are formulated into products, they may not be adequately protect users from dangerous UVA rays. I do encourage our listeners to go to their website, EWG, and look at the 14th annual sunscreen guide to find safer, more effective products. This year, they assessed more than 1,300 products with SPF and, quote, including more than 700 currently available beach and sport sunscreens and found that only about a quarter of the products offer adequate protection and do not contain concerning ingredients such as the oxybenzone, that potentially hormone-disrupting chemical that is readily absorbed by the body. And we also heard this from Dr. Weil. While the industry stalls, they say, quote, the FDA has been busy completing tests and proposing changes. The agency published two scientific studies last year showing that just a single application, all the non-mineral sunscreen ingredients are readily absorbed through the skin and can be detected in our bodies at levels that could cause us harm. The other outstanding factor here, Nico, is according to the EWG, quote, new sunscreen tests from the FDA show that with just a single application at the beach or pool, six commonly used chemicals of active ingredients were absorbed into the body and continue to be absorbed through the skin for days longer, which is alarming because about these findings that these chemicals are being absorbed in significant amounts and of course have not been 
adequately tested for safety. The other interesting piece of information that I read on the EWG website is that nearly three weeks after applying sunscreen, it was still possible to detect the chemicals that had not yet been absorbed into the participant's skin. Levels on the skin went down significantly in the days between the first and the third weeks, but most likely because the sunscreen was absorbed into the blood. That is so crazy and alarming. Not only that the ingredients can enter our bloodstream, but that UVA is the factor to focus in on for protection. Along with UVB, but UVA penetrates the skin and causes long-term damage, yet we tend to focus in on the UVB or short-term burns. I wasn't aware that even if it got into the bloodstream, that it would last that long in our bodies. Well, Nico, you're right. It is an alarming piece. And here in America, we've been instructed to use sunscreen for protection, but now we have knowledge that this quote-unquote protection may also be harmful. The FDA needs to ensure that the ingredients meet protection, but also they've been tested adequately for safety and efficacy. According to EWG, they also said based on the existing data, the FDA recognized just two ingredients to be safe and effective, zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. And the EWG has recommended that consumers choose sunscreen products made with zinc oxide and titanium dioxide, which also meet their standards for effectiveness and safety. The FDA proposed that 12 other active ingredients commonly found in sunscreens also be looked at, including that oxybenzone, which we need additional testing for and data, of course. And the ingredients that are used in about 50% of sunscreens were also assessed in their guide. So our listeners might want to check that out, especially because the FDA requested that the same data that the agency requires for ingredients used elsewhere in the world that companies here in the U.S. need to also use in their sunscreens. The FDA also wants to ban claims that when sunscreens say they have an SPF of higher uh, values of 60. And I think lastly, what I want to educate our listeners on that I learned from the EWG website is that, again, quote, according to the FDA, higher SPF values have not been shown to provide additional clinical benefit and may provide users with a false sense of security. So to guard against this misconception, the agency proposes limiting products SPF claims up to 60. So there you go, Nico. Well, thank you, Colleen. I like that science supports this. As you know, I tend to favor the natural side of things, which is why I appreciate when scientific research aligns with my preferences. EWG is a great resource so that you can stay informed about the medical research before there's enough evidence to pull it off the shelves. Well, Nico, we've covered some territory here, and hopefully our listeners are soaking up all this knowledge. No pun intended. And it looks like there were some common denominators, right, from all of our experts, including what, you know, SPF we should be using, the toxins in some of our sunscreens, and also how often and actually how to properly apply and reapply. And we also saw some sunscreens that are available at your local pharmacy, recently priced, and those that maybe require a little bit more money, but give us peace of mind when we're using more natural or safer ingredients. 
Yeah, hopefully we are all more informed the next time we go to purchase sunscreen. And another common denominator seemed to be the favoring of physical or mineral sunscreens with active ingredients such as zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. So thank you, Colleen. We've learned what SPF means, the types of sunblock, when to apply sunblock, and the emerging research on these products. And for those of you listening, definitely use the EWG app while shopping. You can scan products as you go. So thank you for listening to this episode of the Restore Body Balance podcast. If you want to hear more from us, click the subscribe button. We are also available on YouTube. And for more information on our programs and to buy the book on change, please visit www.restorebodybalance.com.